0: Welcome back in, Brady Farkas, show right here, WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Joining me now, as he does every single week at this time, is our guy, Freddie Coleman. Right now, it's Freddie and Fitzsimmons, well, technically in name, although he's all over the place at ESPN. It's going to be starting his new show from 3 to 7 with Harry Douglas uh, early on in September, just in time for week one of the NFL season. It's Freddie Coleman. Freddie, how are you?
1: I'm good, Brady, and you're right about the split shifts and everything, but it's been a blast working with Jason Williams one day, having a chance with Ian Fitzsimmons and Harry Douglas another day. So it's been pretty cool.
0: Well, I'm very happy for you. As, as uh, again, as we said last week, we're pumped for your uh, promotion and your continued elevation over at ESPN radio. It's going to be awesome for them. It's going to be awesome for you. Let's talk about uh, the new England Patriots who played three ish quarters over the weekend Mm -hmm. against the green Bay Packers. And, um, I, I think everybody kind of agrees it was the right decision to suspend the game. I'm actually more interested right now in talking about the value of joint practices. It's something we've been talking a lot about lately. Um, Patriots and Packers got very chippy last week. couple of fights. We see fights all around the league. Do you think there's a value in joint practices? Because five years ago, joint practices were the only thing that mattered. The games didn't matter. Now it seems to be swinging the other way.
1: Well, one of the things about joint practices, I think it's all about to relieving any kind of tension that a team is going to have with each other when you're seeing the same guy day after day, practice after practice. So I think a lot of coaches always said, if we have a joint practice with somebody else, at least they get a different look. They get a chance to go against somebody else. And it doesn't matter what position you're playing or what kind of defense you're going to see, what kind of coverages and everything like that. So I've always understood exactly why coaches and teams decided to go with joint practices. But I think a lot of times you're going to get that testosterone, Brady, that it's going to be raised to a high level and somebody is going to take exception to this and somebody's going to take exception to that. Next thing you know, you've got a brave heart situation missing Mel Gibson. So I think more than ever before, you really got to control those controlled joint practices and make it understood to players. This is designed to help us to get better and to see somebody different, not to go out there and try to prove anything to anybody else on the other side.
0: You know, it's interesting, too, and I heard Christian Fourier talking about this at WEEI yesterday, and he said, you know, guys need to learn how to practice, and guys need to know when to go up, know, kind of come up lame on things and guys need to know when to let guys go. And there's kind of needs to be this understood mentality among players. And that's all well and good, I think, if you're an established veteran like a Christian Fourier was. But I think part of the issue is we see a lot of these things on special teams, Freddie. When we got undrafted guys and seventh round guys who were told to play aggressive mm-hmm. and told to play physical and they're fighting for their potential NFL lives, those, those guys aren't able to go up and, and lay up and go 50%.
1: Well, that's when it comes down to coaching because you have to let the players know that, look, we don't want anybody getting injured, being over-exuberant or over-aggressive and going past the whistle. So to me, that becomes a coaching issue because you're going to be constantly evaluated, not only what you can do physically, but if you can pay attention to rules and pay attention to the mental part of the game. And you're going to be somebody out there that does not have the ability and the capability of doing that, then you're not helping yourself. So to me, that comes down to coaching when you got to let your team know, look, we know a kind of full speed that we can go at. But if we're going to have a joint practice. This is what we're going to put into place. Now, if you teach over-aggressiveness, then you can't be mad at the other team that they're going to bounce back on you and clap back against you. But to me, Brady, that's about coaching and teaching. And you can do those kind of things and make sure that guys get the, the most worth out of a practice that they're looking for no matter if they're fighting to make the team or if they already made the team. And you can do that by coaching, teaching that, and making sure that these kind of things don't continue to happen with joint practices.
0: Mac Jones made some headlines earlier this week when he said he wanted to get back to being Alabama Mac. And I think that makes sense from a, uh, from a mental standpoint, kind of like resetting the computer to the last known point where you know it was working really, really well. The thing is, though, I think about the old Tyson quote. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. You can want to be Alabama Mac all you want, but you don't have Alabama's offensive line or Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle walking through the door.
1: Well, that's completely fair, and you're completely right with that. But I firmly believe the reason he said that is because the offensive coordinator coached him in Alabama when it comes to Bill O'Brien. I wonder if Mac Jones would have said that if Matt Patricia got a year or two trying to coach this offense. He might have said, man, we need to get this guy out of here. I don't care who you bring from Alabama, the wide receivers coach, the water boy like Adam Sandler. I'll take anybody above this guy right now. But I think a big belief for the Matt Jones is he knows that Bill O'Brien understands how to coach plays and how to coach him and how to get the best out of guys in that offense that they're going to have a chance to have Bill O'Brien back with the New England Patriots. So I firmly believe that's what he meant by that because he knew what last year looked like, and he doesn't want to see that again. He knew what the first year looked like. That's not the kind of ability that he knows he can bring to the table that's going to help his football team and help an offense. So when you put it out there to say, I want to get back to being Alabama Mac, it's because a guy that you had a lot of success with as an offensive coordinator is now your offensive coordinator in the pro game when it comes to Bill O'Brien.
0: Freddie, interesting kind of talking point here around Patriots uh, camp is kind of the battle for the last wide receiver spots, right? There's a couple of six-rounders DeMario Douglas and Kayshawn Booty out of LSU mm-hmm. who are turning some heads. But they've also got the second-round pick from last year in Taekwon Thornton, and there's kind of two split camps here on this. One is he's a second-round pick. You can't give up on him in year two. The other is you overdrafted him and he can't play. Cut your losses while you can. Which which side of that argument are you on? Not necessarily to this specific player, but just in general. Sure. Can you move on from a second-round pick that quickly?
1: Absolutely. If he proves he can't play, then that to me that's not a wasted draft pick. You're wasting a draft pick if you keep a guy on. You know he can't help you, and you're holding him. He'll be able to find it. You're not doing yourself any favors, and you may wind up cutting somebody that's going to help somebody else that could have helped you. So more than ever before, Brady, a lot of people look at draft grades and they do their analysis and everything like that. But you, you can only prove what you are by getting out there and proving what kind of work. I think the days of saying that's why he was a first rounder, that's why he was a second rounder, those days are long past. You can't if you're not out there, you have the inability to play and not and, and try to step the injury list. Then especially a guy like Bill Belichick, he loves lower room draft picks. I mean, he that, that is like adding to him. Anytime he sees a guy in the fifth, sixth, or seventh round that plays above that quote unquote draft grade, he loves guys like that. He's had success with guys like that. So Bill Belichick is not going to be a slave to your draft position. If he believes that you can't help him or that you can't stay on the football field, he don't care if you're drafted in the first round or you're undrafted. He's not going to keep you as a middle-new England Patriots.
0: The injury concerns with Tyquan Thornton are fair. Okay, They're fair and they're real. And I get people who are concerned about that. But if we're going to give everybody else on the offense a pass for what happened last year because of this coaching situation, why, why can't we give Tyquan Thornton a pass also and say, well, let's see what this offensive coordinator can do to unlock the talent? that was there.
1: Well, that is completely, completely fair to say that, Brady, but we don't know what the coaches see with Tyquan Thorne. We don't know what they see in practice or in joint practices. And I think a lot of people get seduced by either a guy being drafted in the second round or the guy had a really good preseason game. We don't know how the coaches are evaluating these players. So you're right about the two young men in Butte from LSU, who I thought went a little bit later because I think that guy can play. I think he's going to make a roster, whether it's the page of somebody else those guys have shown that they can play in college. And so did Thorne when he was at Baylor. But we don't know the coaches see what those guys do day by day, what their practice habits are, what their ability is to make sure they can be a productive player. We don't know what they see. And knowing Bill Belichick and the Patriots, they keep that like the FBI, like a covert operation. So we may have one idea about somebody, but they have a pretty firm grasp. At least they hope they have a firm grasp of what a player can and cannot do and how that can and cannot help the Patriots.
0: You know, I've been asking this question of guests all week, and then I saw Colin Cowherd kind of do the same thing on Fox Sports Radio yesterday. I'm going to ask you, how many teams in the AFC do you think the Patriots are definitively better than?
1: Wow. That's a really good course. Well, there's nobody in the AFC East. There's <laughs> nobody there in that division. I believe they're going to finish fourth. I could see them. I could see maybe being a little bit better than the Cleveland Browns in the AFC North, although the Browns' defense is going to be really good. And if Deshaun Watson looks anything near like the guy we saw when he played for the Houston Texans, that could be a sneaky team that can win nine to ten games in what I believe is going to be the best division of football and get into the playoffs. They're definitely better than Houston. I think they're definitely better than Tennessee. I'll put the pages above that. I def- they're definitely better than Indianapolis Coastal rookie quarterback. And I'll put them above the Denver Broncos and the Las Vegas Raiders. But that's it when it comes to the pages and who they're better than.
0: All right. So you got to kind of uh, in that, uh, you know, 8 to 10 range, it sounds like, which I think is fair, which is kind of where – I have them as well. Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio. Freddie, you are the best, and uh, we will catch up in uh, – you know what? We're not going to talk in seven days because guess what? I am going to the U.S. Open next week. and uh, oh, look at you. Excuse just, me. Just for one day. Just for one day for my dad's birthday present. We're going to the U.S. Open, so nice. I'm going to be out next week. And uh, I think we got Red Sox baseball anyways uh, on Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, So we'll talk in okay. two weeks, but I'll have my report from a uh, courtside in Flushing for you.
1: Well, uh, we're both tennis nuts, so I, and I love watching the U.S. Open and Carlos Alcaraz and Novak Djokovic. That match in Cincinnati has got me yeah. ready for the U.S. Open. <laughs> I can't wait to see what the two weeks are going to look like. The fortnight in the Big Apple.
0: Looking forward to it, and it'll be my first time at any tennis tournament, so I'll have some fun with it. So, Freddie, thank you. My pleasure, brother. Take care and enjoy
1: the U.S. Open.